as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the six-fold Impala Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Board as Hell podcast I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot And I am Andy Wilson of Big Shiny Robot And I am Brooke Heim of the Not Entirely Perfect podcast And we got a really cool special episode for you um, today is really fun for us because this is our 52nd episode, so we are officially a year old. Um, yeah, it's our birthday. So. <laughs> Happy birthday, boys! It's my birthday. We're gonna party like it's my birthday. Um, so yeah, it, everyone who's been involved with this from the beginning, uh, thank you for sticking with us, listening, following, giving us advice, helping us get better, um, and agreeing and disagreeing with our movie reviews. So we'll talk a little bit about that, kind of looking back. Uh, towards the end of the episode, uh, but first we do have two movies to talk about. We've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Out of the Shadows and Pop Star: Never Stop Never Stopping. Um, Andy, why don't you start with Turtles? Because I think you liked it a bit more than I did. Yeah, I think the subtitle for this episode should be "Movies with Incredibly Long, Inexplicably Long Names." Right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Ninja Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Two Out of the Shadows, the follow-up. <laughs> Uh, in 3D! In, <laughs> for you in 3D, I luckily opted out of that. That's the first piece of the review. You don't need to see this in 3D. Anyway, uh, this is the follow-up to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, executive produced by Michael Bay, that came out a few years ago. That was incredibly awful. Uh, that was one of my most hated movies of that year, and I just couldn't yeah. stand it. Uh, I left angry after that movie. I was like, I walked out like wanting to punch someone. Yeah, uh, this movie though, it seems like they took some of that fan reaction to heart, and they said, "Oh, what is it that people actually want in a Ninja Turtles movie? Well, they're gonna want their Rocksteady and Bebop. They're gonna want their Casey Jones. They're gonna want their Turtle Mobile, and uh, they're gonna want their Baxter Stockman. They're gonna want their Krang." They're going to want their Technodrome. And guess what? They do all of that in this movie. And so just check off the list of all of the things that you want in a Ninja Turtles movie. And guess what? It's here. Um, Other than that, it's not much more substantive than that. It is basically a live-action cartoon. And uh, the best parts of it are actiony and uh, have Ninja Turtles doing Ninja Turtley type things and the worst parts of it are when people sit around and talk which is not fun uh, I took I took my kids to go see this and my son kept saying dad when is the action going to happen I want the action to happen <laughs> I'm like yes me too uh, when the action is on the movie's pretty good uh and it should deliver on whatever it is that you're looking for out of a Ninja Turtles movie. When it's not, yeah, you know, Michael Bay and and those of his ilk were never really good at character or plot or exposition or theme or really doing anything else to elevate this material, which is too bad because, uh, you know, I have seen episodes of Lego Ninjago that have more emotion and feeling in this. So it's not like you can't take something of a similar ilk and make it more heartfelt, but 
this movie just really fails to do that. Adam, what did you think of it? Uh, so I walked in with absolutely zero expectations. Uh, I hated the first one beyond belief. Uh, this is directed by Dave Green, who gave us the classic Earth to Echo, um, which is basically a knockoff oh. of batteries not included. Oh, so yeah, that was terrible. So my thing was, if I, I walked out and I didn't want to slip my wrists, as our good friend Brooks said, uh, then I would count it a win. <laughs> and actually, I, I did walk out and you know didn't didn't despise it. Uh, the, I will give the movie props for, like you mentioned, bringing in all the cool things fans have loved ever since the first cartoon, and finally putting them on screen, like you know Rocksteady, Bebop, the Turtle Van, Dimension X, the Technodrome, Krang, all that kind of fun stuff. So major props for that. The problem with this movie, though, is it really can't decide if it wants to be, you know, appealed just all to that, uh, that nostalgia for the fans of the show who are now our age in their late 20s or early 30s, or if it wants to be really jokey, fart jokes, kid-friendly kind of thing. Um, and I mean, the movie is rated PG-13 for, for the violence, but there is some language in there that I don't really think should be in a kid's movie. Um, it'd be fine for something like, you know, for us, for our age, but... It just kind of went back and forth on what it, it wanted to do, so um, kind of knocked the points for that. Um, also, yeah, there's some cool things in here, like you know, <clears throat> Dimension X and Krang and Bebop, Rocksteady, the Turtles van. But for a lot of those things, it's like they throw them in for one scene and then you never see it again. I mean, I think it's kind of convenient they forget they have this giant garbage truck turtle van that launches manhole covers um, after the first two minutes of the movie. Um, yeah, there's that. I mean, the, the CGI on the turtles' faces looked really good. I mean, they obviously spent a lot of money there, uh, made it look, you know, as lifelike as possible. But then on the flip side, with Krang, it's like they ran out of money, and he ended up looking like a big wad of bubble yum that stuck to a scrotum. Uh, <laughs> there's no other way to describe good it. So. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Um, and again, you only get to see Krang for mere seconds. I mean, he's there just a basic plot device, um, and then. The final battle with him kind of felt really anticlimactic. Um, they really wasted Shredder. I mean, Shredder is, as always, been my favorite part of Ninja Turtles. And, I mean, he's in this movie for all of, what, ten minutes? And most times he's just soaking. So, yeah, he's, he's, it's like they took, like, they included all of these characters. Yeah. But it seemed like they missed, like, the real essence of a lot of what made them really cool. It's like they took Baxter Stockman and they decided, well, let's turn Baxter Stockman into Medea. like this this hybrid of Neil deGrasse Tyson and Sherman Clump from the Night <laughs> Professor movie, and yeah, like that's that's, that's who he is. And it's just like, yeah, this doesn't quite work. the The one guy who was really, really trying here was Stephen Amell from TV's Arrow. And just like with that material where he is trying so hard and I think he knows it's not very good, but he really wants to make it good. Good yeah. on you for trying, but it's it's just not quite there. And I mean, and Stephen Amell as Casey Jones was, was fine. I mean, he only gets like, what, one fight scene? And like, that's yeah. the point is that Casey Jones is a badass. Like, he's the one out there doing stuff. I mean, but I can't fault Stephen Amell. He was fine. Uh, Megan Fox did a much better job as April O'Neil. She kind of felt more like the investigative reporter that she was. Um, uh, but the two things that just bugged the crap out of me uh, was, one, the whole little subplot about the turtles wanting to become human. That was there for, like, five minutes and then never brought up again. I mean, there was no explanation or reason for that. 
You could have almost done a full movie based on that, where maybe two of them became human and two stayed turtles. So that was dumb. And then the, the moment that just uh, I I wanted to throw something at the screen was when they mutate Bebop and Rocksteady, and they're like, oh, what happened? And they're like, oh, well, deep inside every human is some DNA that's tied back to some blah, blah, blah animal, and that's what they mutate into. I'm like, shut the hell up. No one cares. It's magic. We're dealing with a world of talking four-foot-tall turtles. Don't don't We don't need an explanation for that. So... Yeah. That was that was grown worthy, but like I said, I walked out not wanting to kill myself. Uh, it was better than the original, which isn't saying much, um, but it does give me hope that if it's going to incrementally improve with each movie, that maybe four or five from now we'll have a decent um, Turtles film. Yeah, I'm hoping so too. I, I just, you know, we'll maybe eventually get there, but this this is pleasing to that part of me that is 12 years old and doesn't care about the same things that Michael Bay and company don't really care about. So uh, in in that sense, it works. I'm at like a five and a half or a six. This is better than mediocre. Maybe I'm like grading it up a little bit more because it's such an improvement from the first one. I want to be like, you go, Tiger. Way to, way to be. Um, but yeah, this is, this is one of those that if you're iffy on it, you can skip and, and pick up, at at a later date. Yeah. I'm only at a four out of 10. Uh, again, no, I mean, I think the first one I gave like a one, two. So again, I've points up, uh, if you have kids, they'll have a lot of fun with this. Uh, just keep in mind, there's a little bit of language that you may not want them to hear. Uh, yeah. I think they probably haven't heard in the playground, but still, uh, no, it's, it's colorful, it's bright, uh, there are some good fun moments in it, um, it just, it's still not a good movie, but it's getting better, so. Exactly. But, uh, we do have, uh, a better movie, and that is Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Yeah, Popstar, so, uh, if you watch SNL, or listen to your, you know, random music, you, I'm sure you've heard of the group The Lonely Island. Uh, it's made up of Andy Samberg, Jorma Tacone, and Akiva Schaefer. Uh, and they kind of are riffing, making fun of uh, the whole hip-hop, pop music scene. So uh, Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping is kind of... Uh, it's a mockumentary about uh, this... The main guy is named Connor For Real, you know, with a four. Uh, played by Andy Samberg. Uh, who's kind of like a Justin Bieber-ish uh, rap guy. Um, and it's kind of like the rise and fall of what happens to him. So he and his buddies, uh, Owen and Lawrence, played by Jorma Tacone and Akiva Schaefer, uh, were all in a group called the Style Boys back when they were younger. And it was kind of like a rap duo, a rap trio, excuse me. Their biggest song being called The Donkey Roll, along with a very funny dance that you kind of have to see <laughs> to understand. Uh, but he eventually went solo. Uh, Owen stayed on as his uh, DJ, and his job as DJ is literally to go on stage and push play on an iPod. That's literally his job. Uh, Lawrence got upset because he blames Connor for stealing some lyrics, and he goes off and you know starts a farm. So this whole thing is kind of following uh, Connor around the release of his second album. Uh, they go on tour, and sales kind of aren't where they want them to be, so they have to hire on an opening act. And through it all, the opening act starts to become bigger and more popular than Connor. So it's a, it's a mixture of him trying to find himself, trying to get back on top to where he was. Um, at the same time, it's absolutely hilarious. I mean, you've got Sarah Silverman as their publicist, and she's like, yeah, I just want, I want Connor to be everywhere. Kind of like, you know, clinical depression. 
and it, it's, it's hilarious. There's so many huge cameos by everyone in the music industry. I mean, you've got Simon Cowell from American Idol, 50 Cent, Ringo Starr, Adam Levine, Akon, Mariah Carey. I mean, there's just so many people in here, and there's a few I'm not going to say because uh, the cameo when they show up is really fun, and it's if you're a fan of Lonely Island, the music, you'll instantly know who's going to be in this movie and some of the songs they've done, uh, but it's it's hilarious. Now, that being said, it is rated R for a very, very good reason. This movie... Very rated R. <laughs> ...is probably the dirtiest movie I've ever seen, like, in theaters. I mean, there's a, there's a five-minute nude scene um, with someone's genitals, and uh, actually, apparently, it's Judd Apatow's genitals. Um, then at the same time, I was crying. I was laughing so hard. Is um, this going to be shown at Brewies? Uh, technically, yeah. <laughs> I, it should be able to because there's no actual sex acts going on. So who knows? Um, it, this actually would be a perfect movie for Brewies. So um, I know if, if they are showing it, please go see it. You'll have a lot of fun. But um, yeah, it's, it's raunchy as hell. It's funny as hell. Um, and it's also 86 minutes long, so you're in and out really quickly. That doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, it doesn't burden you with all this extra exposition and plot that doesn't matter. Um, but if you do not like The Lonely Island, then you will hate this movie. So keep that in mind that you have to <laughs> you have to go in knowing what you're getting into. Um, otherwise, you're you're going to sit there for an hour and a half hating life. Yeah, imagine that a Judd Apatow movie that actually hired an editor and cut it down to just the funny parts. That's I think it's because I don't he believe didn't... you. I really yeah. don't. <laughs> I think it's because he wasn't directing. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, and it was uh, two of the members of the Lonely Island, mm-hmm. uh, the two who are not at Andy Samberg, who were who were directing. Uh, that was really cool. That this really felt like their project, and uh, it was very Lonely Island esque. But my major problem was is since the the major plot point of the movie is that Connor's album is tanking. All of those songs are horrible. And I think, I mean, they're intentionally horrible, but they're also just, like, not good in general. They're, like, there are other Lonely Island songs that are cringeworthy in a really funny way. But this feels like they said, huh, we have an 80-minute movie that we have to fill up with a bunch of songs. We're going to write a bunch of songs, and we kind of have to use them rather than being choosy about getting your absolute best stuff. I, I So I thought that the music was kind of weak. Um, I thought the jokes were, were much funnier, but this was very much a more is more type of movie. The jokes come fast and hard, and uh, one of the problems you might have is people are going to be laughing so hard you're going to mix you're going to miss the next two or three jokes uh which which is fine but um i I think that's a testament maybe to how good the movie is but uh you know that it it was definitely a, a kind of machine gun uh approach to uh to shooting out the funny and see, I'll, I'll disagree with there on that. Is that I love the music, and I was counting down the minutes until I was able to download it on on Friday. So I've been looping that in my car <laughs> ever since then. So, but yeah, like like you mentioned, it's it is very very rapid pace. Um, there isn't really a chance to recover in between the jokes and everything going on. Uh, so 
I don't know. I I think it was wonderful. I had a great time with it. The fact that it was 86 minutes long also got me gives it huge props. Uh, so I know I'm a little bit higher than you, but I'm I'm thinking about an 8.5 on this one. I can't actually I can't wait to go see it again. So I think I'm at like a, a 7.5. I, I think this was good. Um, I just, I feel like Lonely Island is capable of so much more. I, we should mention the Oscar-nominated Lonely Island who helped co-write Everything is Awesome. With Tegan and Sarah, yeah. Yeah, with <laughs> Sarah and and wrote, you know, things like I'm on a boat and Which I did a karaoke last night. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, they just have so many really good songs. And I didn't, I don't know. You can tell me I'm completely off base here, but I didn't walk away from that movie thinking like, oh, that's the standout song. I thought the the Deep Thoughts song near the end was pretty good, but nothing like really floored me as being really great. I thought most of it was just like, I know these are supposed to be intentionally awful, but they're kind of just like awful, awful. I love Mona Lisa. Like I've been singing that song since the moment the movie got out. Uh, it's essentially his saying that Mona Lisa looks like a garbage pail kid and goes off about it. Okay, uh, that that was pretty funny. <laughs> and and the song he does with Pink about the gay, gay marriage. Gay song. Oh God, he does know it's legal now, right? <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty good. But yeah. uh, and the album actually, there's a couple songs on the album that are not on the in the movie. Uh, that are actually pretty funny as well. Um, there's a song just entitled F You. It's about telling your parents to F off. Because, you know, you're a man-child, of course you're going to do that. Um, oh, and his mom. I forgot about the fact that his mom was on tour with him doing a bunch of cocaine. That was just, oh. Yeah. Played by Joan Cusack. Yeah, wonderfully. <laughs> by Joan you Cusack. Know, you know, you mentioned all of the musical cameos in here. There are other, like, just random cameos. Oh, yeah, like Maya Rudolph is in it for two seconds. Oh my gosh, she is hilarious. She is a a brand ambassador for a appliance company, and they're thinking about putting Connor's music in the refrigerators and toasters and microwaves. So when people use it, it starts playing, and yeah. it's just like this is the worst idea ever, and no one is thinking that. And then <laughs> and then you've got Will Arnett. Hey, Will Arnett in two movies this weekend. That's crazy. Uh, Will Arnett is the head of like a TMZ type team uh, with Mike Berbiglia and Eric Andre and they're just like pitching him stories about like what's going on with Connor for real and mm-hmm. it just makes merciless fun of TMZ it is that, oh, that's, that was hilarious that was, I hate TMZ with a fiery passion so Me too. those scenes were just wonderful I mean and, and they're just they're again I do. I will actually give the movie fault for some of those scenes because they kind of, kind of like a Key and Peele sketch. They go on just a little bit too long to where it stops being as funny. But uh, yeah, just then with the, the bigger and bigger cups of soda, and <laughs> that was like my favorite part. The, I don't know. I just... the one thing I will definitely say though is uh, talking with a buddy of mine who saw it um, is this is a movie that's very much shown in. They show a lot of the funny parts. In the trailer and also in the uh, the SNL skit they did, they did a digital short two weeks ago during the finale. So, um, as much as it might be hard not to notice it, try to go in without seeing that stuff because um, these jokes are all really funny. But they're really best if encountered for the first time in the context of the film. So, um, yeah, yeah overall, really, it, it's a great film. Go see it. 
And and that being said, it felt very much like the major thrust of the film was really making fun of our celebrity-obsessed culture and uh, pop stardom and, and how we deal all of that. Like when they show up at an award show and people don't know whose camera crew they're talking to. Yeah. And they're like, wait, uh, like, dude, I'm not your camera. And they're like, turn around and like play to the other camera and do the exact same thing. It's like, that's right. This is all incredibly scripted. And yet we're calling it quote unquote reality TV. Very good. Very smart. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I liked, I liked those parts of it that in that it felt very spinal tappy, mm-hmm. um, but it, it never quite rose to the level of spinal tap for me. It didn't go to 11. It no. did not go to 11. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there you have it. So, uh, overall pretty, pretty decent reviews for turtles. Uh, so take your kids to see that one. Uh, and then Popstar, of course, a high marks for that. Do not take your kids to that one, or you no. are, a, or you are a bad parent. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, at, at the beginning of the episode, we mentioned uh, this is you know officially fifty-two episodes in. So we've been doing this for exactly one year, um, give or take a week when we were sick. I think one time we we missed something, but yeah, one one time I was in the hospital and we missed an episode. But I, I tried know. to get him to record, but he just he didn't have internet. He said so. It was nope. some excuse. Yeah. Those nurses are so bossy. Right? So, uh, we're just going to kind of go back, kind of be nostalgic for a little bit, so, uh, and kind of talk about where we came from, what we've been doing. So, Andy, you, in the very first episode, told us what you think being a film critic is and where we, where and how we kind of, um, you know, rate things. And then, Brooke, on your podcast, what, what was the exact quote you said about being a film critic um, last week? Well, I was talking with Missy... Bird and Brooks Bird and they're both film critics and I said something along the lines of well, I'm on a movie review podcast but I wouldn't say I'm a critic so I don't I don't know exactly where I fall into the lines of that but I also said I just really like talking about movies so yeah and, and see and I, I kind of disagree with you there Brooke because I think that a critic is as a critic does and I don't it's not like there's some magical fairy who comes down and taps you on the head and says, now you are a movie critic. <laughs> but Especially I, when the magical fairy is me. <laughs> um, you know, I think, uh, I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, like the the Batman definition. It's, it's not who I am underneath. It's what <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's, it, but, but, you know, a critic is a person who criticizes. And Brooke, I think that you have incredibly I'm smart. Really well- good at criticizing things. <laughs> you, you're, you have really good, well thought out opinions on things, and you're and you have a specific point of view. And so, I feel you are just as much of a critic as anyone else. I mean, there are there are critics who have a podcast, and that's it. And and you know, maybe they have, you know, not that many readers or listeners, and that's fine. And then there are people who work for major media outlets or TV stations who wear sweater vests and don't watch the movies that they say that they watched and then go on TV and review them. And wear sweater vests. And, and wear sweater vests. And, uh, like, that is just so completely like wrong it's just like what what the heck and and 
uh, I think it's all about how seriously you take um, you take what it is that you do, and by how seriously you take it, I mean that you can have a lot of fun and have a very playful point of view. Um, I definitely take this way too seriously sometimes <laughs> <laughs> as evidenced by all the like team cap stuff but uh but you know uh, at the end of the day <clears throat> yes you do <clears throat> yeah yeah yes i do um what? but what? the uh, you have something caught in your throat broke i couldn't tell <laughs> uh but the point is movies are fun we do this because it's fun i do this because i like adam and i like brooke and I like talking about movies with them. It's just the best. I love you guys. Aw, I love you too. Aww. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the biggest thing is is with any kind of line of work, it's it falls a lot down to um, being ethical in what you do. And so, as you mentioned about the whole, oh, I reviewed a movie based off the trailer, or whatever else. I mean, that's the moment you do that. I you know, or you're like. Oh, I'm gonna go pick and choose the movies I see. I mean, dude, like it's it's fun. Like, obviously, we love movies and we love what we do. Uh, but no one wants to sit through Unfriended, and no, no one wants to go sit through Love of the Coopers or Pixels or uh, Fantastic Four. Uh, no, if you you walk into every movie hoping it'll be good, hoping it'll be fantastic, hoping it'll be fun. Uh, and if it isn't, then you know what? I have every right after that point in time, after I've given it my time to go out there and say what I want about it. But, uh, you know, as far as what makes a person a good critic, um, obviously having an education, knowing things about film, knowing what to look for. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, just because you haven't seen every single movie known to man, uh, doesn't mean that you can't do that. I mean, I, I always joke that I went to the Tarantino film school. I worked at Blockbuster for three years. Uh, and saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of movies doing that, and that's kind of where my education came from. But even if you haven't, if you can look at a movie, you can be, it sounds really weird, but subjectively objective. Because <laughs> uh, any any uh, review is uh, an opinion piece. It's an editorial. Um, totally. But there are certain things you can look at and be like, well, maybe I didn't like this movie, but I can point out the things that worked well and that were that were beautiful. And, like Some people um, didn't like The Revenant. You know, they just you know, they just wasn't the type of movie. But no one can sit back and tell me that that movie is not beautiful. It doesn't have some of the best cinematography you've ever seen. Um, and again, that's so that's where you're subjectively objective. You can be like, I didn't like this movie, but here's what it did well. Um, kind of like what I did with Turtles. So being able to do that and then being able to uh, explain it in a way that makes sense and not talk down to people. I mean, that's the biggest thing I hate. Is I hate reading other reviews where you can just see, you can hear the sneer in their voice when they're writing. It's like, they think they're better than you, they think they're better than everyone else because they write about movies. Um, dude, guess what? This is all for fun. I mean, yes, some people do get paid for this, we don't, but we're doing it just for the love of it. So, if you really truly love movies and you can discuss them and you can explain uh, why they're good or not, then yeah, that does make you a film critic. So, in that case, Brooke, you are. Yeah, and, and like a couple weeks ago, um, you know, our, our buddy Jimmy Martin, who works at KSL as a film critic, um, he one of his quotes was featured on the national ad for Alice Through the Looking Glass. And it said, better than the first one. And I'm like, dude, I totally disagree with you. But congratulations on, like, you know, 
that's that's totally awesome that you're like you know you're making it happen and he's like yeah well you're wrong and i'm like well you know i'm not gonna argue with the guy whose job title literally is film critic and i get to play one on the weekend so it's like i i'm not gonna take myself too seriously and like argue with someone over uh you know whether uh which Alice in Wonderland movie was better than the other one. <laughs> it's like, you know, but I can just be like, dude, I disagree with you, but congratulations. And we can all like calm down for a minute and be cool with it. But see, that's some of the most fun I, I have is hanging out with everyone and just, and especially fellow critics and bitching and arguing about which movies suck, and which ones don't. And then yep. who's wrong. <laughs> that's just, that's the most fun. Uh, we were at a, a birthday party and there was like five or six other critics there. And, I swear the last hour and a half we were just sitting in the living room yelling at each other about Star Wars and everything else and it's just it's there's something fun there that you gotta have that you just uh, I don't know it's, it's not found in any other group it's it's it's, it's weird I can't explain it but it's something I love doing and um, I think we do a pretty damn good job here so Adam what was what was the first movie you remember uh, criticizing that like did an actual review for well, what's really funny is I, I used to joke with my buddy Joey that I would be the worst movie critic ever because my old viewpoint used to be, hey, if I walked out two hours later and I enjoyed myself, it was a good movie. Um, I can't tell you which movie changed my mind on that, but I walked out like that movie was a piece of crap. Oh, it was uh, the second X-Files movie because I hate that movie because uh, it was one of the few I've almost walked out of. Uh, no, actually, the way I got started was uh, five years ago next month. Uh, I had uh, I got screening passes to go see um, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part Two, and I was at a comic shop that is run by someone who shall not be named because she's evil. And uh, one of the guys from the Big Shiny Podcast was there, and I was talking to him. I was like, "Hey, do you guys take guest reviews?" He's like, "I actually go talk to so and so over there. He's actually the one in charge." So I went over there, uh, met Lucas, who is on the podcast, and asked him. He's like, "Oh yeah, we totally take uh, guest." Uh, reviews just go ahead and uh, email it over to us and once you see it we'll go from there so I went and they made us wait in line for eight hours which was dumb as hell but got in saw that um, wrote a review sent it over and I've gone back and looked at that and I absolutely hate everything about it because it's just nowhere near the level that I'm at now Uh, but it is kind of fun to go back and kind of see that progression but yeah uh, Harry Potter Deathly Hollows part two was the first thing Um, and then I started doing um, you know, got more involved with Big Shiny Robot. We kind of started running a lot of their like uh, contests for screening passes. Started going to more and more of those, and then uh, got accredited last year and been going pretty much two, three times a week ever since. So, Brooke, what about what about you? You, I, I think your first official review was here on the podcast, wasn't it? Listen, <laughs> listen, you cheeky cheekies. Uh, my first review on a movie podcast was with you two. Um, I will say the week before, I had a really good like hour-long review on my own podcast of Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, I just, right. just want to put that out there. It was awesome. It was an amazing review. But my first yep. actual in a sort of movie critic since review was Magic Mike XXL and 
than the Terminator as well, but really I was on for Magic Mike. So yeah, that was my first. Woohoo, go feminist, yay! I was on for Magic Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that movie. And and look how far we've come. I, I, I do have to say that um, that deconstruction of uh, Mad Max Fury Road that you did was really excellent. And I don't know if that still exists out there anywhere. But... It doesn't. It's sad. Oh, I know, that not, bums me out. Is that an iTunes anymore? Nope. Oh. Because um, it was great. It was great. Oh, oh I, remember, I remember listening to it. Yeah, I just don't... I don't... I think I have it on my phone anymore, though. Yeah, I wonder if I've got an MP3 saved of it anywhere. I'll I'll, I'll look and see. Anyway, <laughs> my uh, you know my my first review that I ever wrote up is similarly uh, down the internet memory hole and cannot be found. Um, the the very first film I wrote a full review of was called Solitary Man, and it had Michael Douglas in it. It was about six years ago, right now, and um, I was already writing for Big Shiny Robot, but I was mostly doing, like, I was doing a weekly column on Adult Swim and doing some comics and, and some other things like that. Uh, and one of my coworkers said, hey, I've got a friend who is looking for movie reviewers, and I know you write for, um, for Big Shiny Robot. Do you want to go see a movie and write it up for the Austin Post? Because that's their new site. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I kind of fell in with them and I started doing occasional reviews with them and I got to know the people who were doing uh, the local reviews here uh, here in Austin from that. And um, our, and then really what, what put me on the path here was um, our great friend and the guy who set me on this path here, Jeff Michael Weiss. Yep. Um, I, I said, hey, will you take a look at this and, like, help me out here? Uh, and he gave me a lot of uh, strategic direction on, you know, where on, – on my writing and uh, how to improve it. But he also put me in contact with uh, the people um, who were running a lot of the screenings here in Austin with the actual companies and was able to get on their list and, and start going to see things more often. Um you know, I, Jeff really did it. Like he was the difference maker in, in this. And if, if it were not for him, I would definitely not be doing this. And so I just got to say, thank you. Like every time, uh, we, we do this, um, it's, you know, it's, it's cool. And, and really like this podcast, I got to say, like, I just kind of ripped this off wholesale from like what Jeff and Jimmy used to do on their big movie mouth off podcast. Like Adam, you and I were trying to think up like good ideas for a podcast and we kept coming up with like, um, fun, <laughs> interesting, quirky things that we could do. And it's just like, no, let's just review movies and then like talk about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, I'm like, I, okay. we kind of started this too, because that, that's, that's kind of the, one of the, the good and the bad things about reviewing, uh, having multiple, you know, reviewers for the same site. Um, if you ever go on Big Shiny Robot, you'll see that uh, oftentimes, you know, we'll, we'll swap weeks on dirt movies or, like, I did Turtles this week and Andy did Popstar, even though we both saw both of them. Um, so at the same time, as, as much as it's nice to be able to have a sounding board to kind of bounce ideas off and, um, you know, 
you know, hey, what'd you think about this? What'd you like about this? Um, it's still, you know, one of my requirements is I have to, I do have to review everything I see. That's that's the thing. You got to go see it, but now you got to talk about it or review it. So um, we also were kind of looking for a secondary outlet where we could both fulfill those obligations uh, and still have fun because just because I didn't get to actually do a print review of Popstar doesn't mean I don't I don't want to talk about it and say how cool it is or. Um, and say what's awesome, why you should see it, and, and joke about it. So exactly. that's kind of where this came from as well. But yeah, you, you brought up Jeff, and, and Jeff was the same way. Like he, um, you know, he was one of the best film critics I've ever met, and been lucky enough to know. Uh, if you ever go back, I mean, he's he just the way he writes was perfect. I mean, it was I put him up there with like Roger Ebert status. That's how much I looked up to him. And agreed. And it was so cool because he was working. Uh, with Big Shiny Robot doing stuff, and it's actually one of his review of uh, the Death of Spider-Man actually got on the actual trade paperback. So if you ever go and look at the trade of the Death of Spider-Man, the quote on the back is, is from him. Uh, and and Jeff brought a huge level of professionalism to what we were doing. Like you go back and read some of my early reviews that I was doing for Big Shiny, and they're kind of all over the place. We don't really have like a set format or are we doing it out of four stars are mm-hmm. we doing it out of five stars and jeff is like dudes let's standardize this and let's have one format that we use for movies tv everything and we're like yes let's do that and um you know making us shoot for that higher level uh was just incredibly helpful in you know i think taking us to where we are now yeah that's and, and that's one big thing too is like you know we're trying to get out there get more coverage for everything just because you know the more people who listen or who read um it helps you out like if you're you know, trying to get to a film critic association uh if you're trying to you know do fun things with it because i mean again we're not getting paid for this we're doing it because we love doing it uh but that doesn't mean we don't want more people to hear about us <laughs> so uh but yeah it, it was really like great because for a while there, um, as I was kind of honing my writing abilities and getting better at it, every single time I'd write a review, I would just shoot it over to Jeff, be like, hey, can you take a look at this? Um, and he would go through, you know, make a couple suggestions, clean it up, and say, like, hey, maybe you should move this around or say this differently. Um, but the, I can't remember what movie it was now, but it was uh, it was about, I think, about two months before he passed away. I sent it to him. He just sent it back. He's like, nope, you're perfect. Don't need any changes. And I was like, yes, <laughs> Jeff approves. <laughs> So that was that was a real fun proud moment for me, but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where we we come from and how we got here. One of the best pieces of advice he ever gave me was, I did a year end list in whatever the year Django Unchained came out was, and and he just said, nope, Tarantino needs an editor, and so do you, Andy. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> And I know he meant it lovingly, but <laughs> you know it, it's it's stuck with me, and it's always true. Yeah, and he would and he would call you out on your BS. Like if you, yeah, if you were going on, he was never afraid to say he would never. He wasn't a dick about it though. He would I mean, and again with Poe's law on the internet, you can't see inflection. But um, yeah, he was always there to to help you out, and you know whatever you need help with, he would do it. If you're like, hey, can you edit this? Can you look at this? You know, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, there was never a time where he wasn't uh, didn't make himself available to, to help you out. Totally. So that's it, though. That's for our episode this week. Uh, you know, again, thank you everyone who's been with us since the beginning, or maybe new people who are hopping on. Uh, 
it's been crazy. I can't believe it's been like a full year, but it has. So uh, next week coming up, we've got uh, a couple of big movies. Uh, we've got Now You See Me 2, which is the magician caper, you know, whodunit kind of thing. Uh, we got the World of Warcraft movie, and then The Conjuring 2, which is the Ed and Lorraine Warren uh, follow-up to The Conjuring, which uh, both movies actually were rated R specifically for scares, not for language, violence, anything else. Just they said, nope, it's too scary. So uh, we'll be back here next week to talk about some of those. But until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly. Punk ass fly.